You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Hey everyone, this is Mikkel, and I'm really excited to share uh, what we have for you today. I'm here with our lead pastor, Robbie Waddell. Hello, everyone. And I'm also here with our good friend, Dr. Ricky Cotton, and we're going to talk a little bit about an element that we had this past Sunday. At the end of the service, we had a practice called Lectio Divina. We wanted to talk a little bit about that. Lectio Divina is a form of prayer which uh, just means um, sacred reading or divine reading, and it is a way of praying with Scripture. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today and kind of where that practice comes from and how we do it and how it can benefit you should you choose to engage in it. So, Dr. Cotton, thanks for being with us today. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your kind of personal history with um, contemplative prayer? I, uh, I go back a long ways with contemplative prayer in one sense. In another sense, it's uh, come in at the latter, the latter part of my life. I was part of the late 60s and early 70s turbulent times and uh, was, was something of a, of a nonconformist back in those days. And as I came out of that, um, the, the thing that brought me to Christianity was people like Thomas Merton and Henry Nouwen because they had an answer to some of this interest that you saw in the late 60s and early 70s to, to uh, prayers from like India, or prayers from uh, China, hmm. ways of praying that came from them. And so that's when I first, I got my first uh, Thomas Merton book. At that point, I was living in just a small town in rural northwest Florida. And miraculously, this Merton book was there on the bookshelf in a little bookstore. And uh, it was the wisdom of the desert, the desert fathers and mothers. And this is the wellspring. This is the, the source out of which what we call contemplative prayer emerges uh, very visibly and very strongly in the unfolding centuries of the church. Not, not the dominant tradition, but a major tradition uh, within, within the church. And what we mean by contemplative prayer, it's a multisyllabic word, and we really just mean resting in the Spirit. We really mean just slowing down, being present, opening the core of your being to God, and just being present, just communing. So this is not hardly a new practice. It's, uh, it's what men and women of God have done throughout the, the biblical history and then the history of the church. So I am excited to talk about it. I'm excited with what's happening at Oasis in terms of looking for ways to deepen our prayer life and to gain some knowledge of this particular kind of tradition coming across the century. It's, a, it's an exciting time for me. Mm. Yes. So I have a question. So I know that part of your spiritual background has also included time with Pentecostals. And while Pentecostalism is kind of known largely for its enthusiasm and its uh, emotionalism, there's also part of it that has a sense of radical openness to the spirit. Um, so how do you think uh, contemplative prayer dovetails with Pentecostalism and what ways does it really kind of supplement and complement it? 
I, I think it is uh, fascinating to explore the relationship of the Pentecostal charismatic forms of prayer and worship. In my mind, Pentecostalism and charismatic worship are really a form of Christian mysticism, a radical openness to the Spirit, to use that phrase, this deep openness to the Spirit. Uh, many times when you, when you move into what we now call contemplative circles, uh, go on a contemplative retreat, you'll find people that, whose background includes the charismatic, as mine does. It was that openness to the Spirit that I learned in that little Assembly of God church up on the hill in Niceville, Florida, that made me ready to go further, to go deeper. And uh, I see the Christian contemplative movement fitting hand in glove, building on uh, Pentecostalism and uh, the charismatic movement. Unfortunately, quite often what happens with uh, a number of people is they they get a little bit of radical openness to the Spirit and say, okay, that's enough, we got it now. Mm -hmm. And they don't need to be radically open anymore. They just keep repeating uh, patterns of speaking of God and patterns of of uh, practicing being open to God, and I think God wants wants us to keep growing. Mm. Mm. So on Sunday we did uh, electio divina. Um, would you tell us a little bit about kind of what what is that um, how, what is that practice? How do we engage that? How does it benefit us? Again, in one sense, it's certainly not anything new. Uh, in, in Protestant circles, this would just be, you need to just spend time with the Word. You just need to be, be with the Scriptures and just pray the Scriptures to the Lord. Tell, just repeat the Scripture as you, as you spend time with God in your prayer time. And that's all Lexio Divina is. It's uh, really a better term in terms of um, explaining it, putting it into English language than sacred reading would be praying the Scriptures. And it, it, it's not something that replaces any other way of relating to the scriptures. There's still Bible reading and Bible teaching. There's analysis. There's commentary. But the heart of our relationship to the scripture, I believe, has always been, in the depths of the tradition, has always been a heart-to-heart -heart relationship. That your spirit is deeply open to the spirit that inspired the scripture and continues to make it alive and vivid in our lives. Yeah. That's what we were doing on Sunday. Yeah, I like you. You've said that a couple times during our Tuesday night lab sessions, which uh, we've—it's been so great having you lead those, and we're really, really appreciative of you uh, guiding us through that. Um, you've said it a few times. Uh, this idea that none of this replaces any of the kind of more mainstream or more traditional um, uh, practices. Rather, it's meant to enhance or, or add depth to those. Um, I, I love that. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, quite often, um, you know, things become familiar, and familiarity may not breed contempt, but it may breed familiarity. Mm -hmm. And then you, you often take things for granted, or you often become more easily distracted, or things become kind of dry and repetitive. And, and what the deep practice of silence, to, to go beyond all forms of verbal expression to simply rest in the spirit, then it will it will energize and it will make more vivid our times of intercessory prayer, mm. our times of uh, praise and worship. They'll, it'll be coming from a deeper place. It'll be coming from the center of our being. That's really what we're we're wanting to to um, to bring into relationship on a consistent basis, a daily basis. You may remember in. Um, in Revelation 2, Jesus said to the church at Ephesus, he bragged on them a little bit, and he said, 
but you have forsaken your first love. Mm-hmm. Well, we actually all do that every day. So unless you have some practice whereby you return to that being deeply present and deeply yielded and, and in this fresh, vivid kind of exchange of life with the Spirit, your first love will become a memory of the past. Yeah. Who wants that? <laughs> <laughs> I've also found it interesting uh, for me personally, Lectio Divina has not only added depth to my prayer life, but also to the way that I approach Scripture. Reading passages in Lectio Divina has brought things to my attention from passages that are well-worn, that I've, that I've known and kind of read and very familiar with, but yeah. things tend to kind of become illuminated um, in, in, the, in the sacred reading of it. Well, what, what if, uh, Ricky, if you took us kind of through uh, what those four steps of the, or in four movements of the, the Lexio uh, practice as it has been formed for community purposes? You know, the practice does go back, as I say, to the very early, early years of Christianity. It really is just a form of scripture meditation or, or scripture prayer, praying the scriptures. And uh, essentially, it has always been, and I think really it should still be, a form of private prayer, a form of individual prayer. But what we feel like over the past 30 or 40 years is God has led us really around the world, to, to figure out a way to kind of bring it to what we did Sunday, where we can have a smaller group or even with certain limitations with a larger group like we did. Uh, it, and when you do it with a group, you're going to need to be a little more step-oriented. Uh, but we don't like the term uh, steps, really, when we talk about the practice. Uh, in terms of its overall tradition, its overall practice, we like the term moments, and so these, these four moments, um, when we do it in group, we are going to spend time at, at each of those. And I'll talk, I'll, we'll come back and explain those momentarily. But in your private devotions, you might only do one or two. You might, you know, you might just begin uh, to, to focus in on a particular section of Scripture, and then you just, you just stay there with that, and you just open yourself up with silence and love and just feel the Spirit sort of working that into the core of your being, and, and you don't do anything else for that 10, 15 minutes, but you might spend doing that. Uh, but when we do it in group practice, we we do break it into what we call the four moments, and so there means there will be four readings of the Scripture, and we do want to use a shorter section of Scripture. Uh, there's This doesn't replace anything, so there's certainly time to read large portions of Scripture, to read the Bible through in a year, but when you're praying the scripture, you want to take a shorter portion, and then even within the shorter portion of, of a given prayer period, you're really looking for a particular phrase, maybe, particular particular statement. And so the, the first one is simply listening for that particular word or that particular phrase from, the say, the five or six verses that you're engaging that you, you, your heart feels drawn to or you feel the Spirit sort of um, fo- getting you to focus on, making it, making it vivid. And, um, and so you read it the first time, you're listening for that, you spend some time in silence when you're doing this as a group practice. 
uh, allow people to come to voice, four or five people to come to voice, and just share that with a group. It's kind of a rich um, communal experience when you do that. The second moment then is the commentary. So this would be meditatio. So this is when you take that word or phrase that, that stood out to you, um, and then you begin to, quote-unquote, meditate on it. And what that has is, is this focus, is what meditation tends to mean mostly. It's a word that has multiple meanings, so you always have to define your terms. But you're going to take that word or phrase and, um, and sort of focus on it, listen to what God is saying to you in regard to it. So if you were doing the 23rd Psalm, you might, you might just focus on the, the, what that staff means for you, the security, the, the orientation it brings, the, the, the fact it draws you into the presence of God. And then the third moment uh, will be the prayer of your heart in response. And uh, we sort of tack on often when we're doing this in an instructional kind of way, an early practice kind of way, we do practice on, uh, tack on the, the Latin terms. So that would be oratio, which simply means praying. What is the prayer of your heart in response? So God, thank you for your, your promise to always be with me. Thank you. But you wouldn't... You wouldn't um, you wouldn't have to get all verbose about it. Again, you minimize words and just say it meditatively, say it a few times. So the third moment is just the prayer of your heart, the verbal expression of your heart in response to what has stood out. And then the fourth reading, you're simply looking to go beyond the words, to go deeper than the words. Your spirit to go into relationship with a spirit who originally inspired that and simply to commune with that spirit. It's really called contemplatio. It's called contemplation, uh, to put it in our parlance. And it, it simply means that, yes, I've heard the word, and yes, my heart has responded with a desire for, for God to do more with this. But finally, I just want to be rooted, and I want to be connected, and I want to be, to be on an ongoing basis walking out my life in union with, with the Spirit. How do you feel like uh, contemplative prayer and practices like Lexio Divina have benefited you personally? I feel like it saved my life. Um, it saved my life back in the early days. I, I'm as a third generation AG, but I actually re, re, rebelled against the church as a very young teenager. And, and when I came back into Christianity, when the Lord reached out to save me, I needed something more than the same old, same old. That, that, that I knew so well, and it, it was deeper, it was more vivid, it, it, it had more life to it, inspiration to it. And then when I came back, I, I mean, I continued to live that out, I was given my, I got my first Merton book at 22, but I didn't understand Merton until I was 52. Hmm. Now, I kept rereading that book and reading other Merton's book off and on for 30 years. I, at 52, I suddenly said, that's where he's coming from. And he's coming from that contemplative center, the silent, the silent center. And at that point, um, we, we had uh, been childless for a number of years. We adopted a child, turned out to be severely autistic. The divorce rate with a severe child like that is 90%. And for us, for Anna and for me, it enabled us to get to a place deeper than our despair, our frustration, our fear, uh, because a catastrophic child 
like that. It just it just demolishes all your sense of how life was supposed to work. They say that on the one hand, it's like the death of a child, but then immediately behind that, you have the emergency of raising a child that's always, always in desperate need, has needs very special accommodations. And so contemplative prayer, this would have been in the mid-90s, late 90s, and, and we settled on our practice, our particular form of contemplative prayer practice centering in the early 2000s. But it, it saved our marriage. It enabled us to be faithful to that kid, Catherine. We consider Catherine our number one spiritual teacher. Mm. So we love people like Henry Now and or Thomas Merton or Thomas Keating and so forth. But the number one spiritual teacher, Catherine Cotton. Awesome. And it's contemplative. And again, contemplative prayer is only deep prayer. Mm-hmm. And it's a way of going deeper with God when what you've known up to this particular point is not enough anymore for whatever reason. And that's what happened for us. Robbie, you've talked a bit about kind of how this has affected you as well, kind of when you when you first met sure. Dr. Cotton. And... So my, my first foyer, I think, <clears throat> actually started when I was a little boy. Uh, I mean, I grew up in a, in, a, in a Pentecostal church, but I had this kind of deep sense of God's presence in my life, and I would, I would pray quite a bit. And I can remember saying to my dad, hey, you know, sometimes I'm with God and I'm not saying things, and I don't think I'm th- even thinking. And to which he said, well, you're, you're, always, you're always thinking. And, uh, and then I, I would try and not think for a minute, and I'm like, oh, wait, I think I did it. <laughs> I think I did it just again. And, and then certainly the way in which we read Scripture, why we might not have used the terms, we probably did use the terms praying the Scriptures. Mm. And uh, yeah. the people around me often quoted Scriptures in their prayer. And their primary encounter with Scripture was more heart-to-heart, not head-headed words. And so that was kind of paving, paving the, the path for me. And then when I was in college... I was about 19, and I read The Cloud of Unknowing, which is a, a Western book about contemplative prayer. And I, I probably didn't understand a lot of it, mm-hmm. but it, it was, again, another seed in my life. And I was 34 when I moved to Lakeland and met uh, Ricky. And that started a new path for me. And I've learned a lot and grown a lot uh, because of his influence in my life and have practiced a lot more of contemplation and Lectio Divina. And it has, it's, it's helped me kind of live the faith that I long to live. Yeah, um, I, I kind of struggled with uh, anger issues. Um, my older children kind of speak of it more than my younger ones because they haven't experienced it quite as much. And there was a time, I don't know, 14, years ago, um, 15 years ago, that Angela could tell based on my temperament whether or not I had been faithful to my prayer meeting with Ricky and friends. <laughs> and she's like, have you been going to prayer lately? And I'm like, well, no, not lately. And the fact that she could discern that based on, so I was, it was having like very, I guess, um, visible, you know, differences. And and the extent to which I was able to to follow Jesus the way I wanted to. So we had a, a 
podcast episode a few weeks ago where we did Electio Divina, and I think I mentioned then this is something that uh, you can do, um, like we did on Sunday, where it's guided, but it's also something that you can and should do on your own. Um, you don't need anyone else. Um, you just you know take a selection of scripture and um, and you go through kind of the four movements of it, and you can do it at your own pace. You can do it as often or uh, as you like, and uh, it's something that I genuinely hope um, can enhance uh, your your times of prayer, your times of reading, and bring you into a, a deeper awareness and a, a closeness to God. Yeah, won't you, won't you uh, pray to help us close here, Ricky? God, we just are so grateful for your ongoing desire for us. You're you're reaching out. You're drawing us closer. You're wanting more intimacy, more oneness with us. And even this conversation, even this reflection together has been a deepening and enriching time, I think. And pray that, that others will hear some of this and, and want more of God and more ways, more ways of being with God that, that enable us to practice your presence, as Brother Lawrence said. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the ways that you continue to want more of us and have your way. We want to yield. We want to flow. Say it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.